Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, TK, a high school teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, I have everything under control. I'm joined by my friend and fellow educator Kevin Lockwood in a discussion about WandaVision Episode 4, We Interrupt This Program. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Enjoy the episode. Today, I'm joined by a return guest to the podcast. Welcome back, Kevin Lockwood. Thanks for joining me today, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me, Tara. I'm excited to come back and um, talk about WandaVision. Now, you previously had shared the story of your relationship with the MCU in a segment for one of the podcast's episodes on Avengers Endgame. That was episode 2.7. If anyone hasn't heard that yet, please definitely check it out because Kevin has some very fun insights into which Avengers would be best to quarantine with. But why don't you give us a quick recap of your recent journey with the MCU? Definitely. So... I probably, unlike most of your listeners, only started really engaging with the MCU last summer. You um, had texted me about doing the podcast, and and I had never watched any of the movies, and so I pretty much went through and watched all of the movies, all the way up to The Last Spider-Man. Really, I kind of felt like Endgame ended my experience there, and kind of this is the next chapter here, even with Spider-Man Far From Home and now wandavision you know being kind of a new part of this experience and uh i loved all those movies i enjoyed every single one of them to differing um degrees and i think uh i I mentioned this last time i was on i probably view them from more of a you know beginner standpoint if you will where i i don't catch a lot of the intricacies but i certainly enjoy them for the humor the storyline the sarcasm i love in all the movies and, and also in wandavision as well and so um i'm grateful that you got me into them and i think the pandemic definitely helped me watch all of them because 20 movies takes a lot of time that's right well i was really excited when you told me that you were planning to continue this new relationship by watching wandavision even though i know you had mentioned neither of those two characters had necessarily been standout favorites for you tell me what are you thinking about wandavision so far yeah so the first three episodes the first episode was so quick it was like 15 minutes it was done and i enjoyed it and then i watched the second one right away and and i enjoyed that too i kind of started to see the theme of the old time television I'm probably not as into old time television as maybe some of the viewers. So that part of it wasn't, you know, my favorite. But then as we got into this current episode that we're discussing today, and it starts with the blip, and now I'm seeing more familiar things that I'm familiar with. Um, and this this episode took place kind of out of whatever we're going to call that bubble that they're in. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like this was clear. I know we had already planned on talking, but this was clearly my favorite episode um, out of the four so far. And I just think it started to answer so many of our questions, but then it also obviously leaves us with so many more questions, but I, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, the first three, I, I definitely, they fly by, they go so quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, 25 minutes is almost too quick, but then this last episode was great. It, um, it, it kind of brought everything into a clearer view for me and probably for everybody else too. On the topic of this week's episode, specifically episode four, we interrupt this program. 
Um, any other initial reactions or thoughts about this one in particular? You know, two characters that play a huge role in this one. Obviously, we don't have Wanda and we don't have Vision. And, and your original question was asking about those two. I, I didn't love either of those two. I have enjoyed Wanda much more during WandaVision. Um, and I think one of your previous guests kind of mentioned it's a little bit disappointing almost to see that she's going down a path of maybe being the villain. And we'll, maybe we'll talk more about mm. that later. That's a little disappointing to me. And then with um, with Vision, I- I've definitely enjoyed him more than I thought I would. But really, in this new episode, um, Jimmy Woo and Darcy um, mm-hmm. are everything. I mean, I love <laughs> both of them out of the Marvel series, um, and and I loved both of them. I know um, Darcy was in both of the Thors, right? The first two and Thors, yes. First two, okay. And then Jimmy was in Ant Man. Am I correct in saying he was in Ant Man and the Wasp, which was the and second. the Wasp. Okay, the second one, yeah. But once I see them, I'm like, this is great. (laughs) And um, I thoroughly enjoy both of those characters. You know, I I think I relate to Darcy's sarcasm. Uh, It's just on point. And she's really allowed to shine in this. In in the Thor movies, she was always overshadowed by the Doctor guy, by Thor, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so this episode, I felt like she kind of owned this episode. And she, she really started to develop. And she was really entertaining to listen to. Yeah, I totally agree. And I have some more thoughts to share specifically on on Darcy and on Jimmy a little bit later on. In terms of my first reactions to episode four, I, I think I'm starting to sound a little bit like a broken record because every week on the podcast, I'm saying, I absolutely loved this episode. This has been my favorite episode of WandaVision so far. The cold open alone was enough to really, I think, cement the fact that this show and this episode is a significant special installment into the MCU because it really does feel like watching one of the movies throughout this entire episode, but I think especially that opening scene. And then the ending of this episode as well really stayed with me because it was so unsettling when the Jimi Hendrix song Voodoo Child started playing and then you get into the credits, which as you pointed out, are too long. (laughs) we'll come back to that later (laughs) but um the beginning the end everything in between i really loved this episode and i really also enjoyed how they continued to play with the idea of format and perspective and i kind of want to i kind of want to get back to that a little bit later on so as you said episode four answered some questions that had been raised in the first three episodes yeah i mean a lot of the stuff from the radio when she was sitting there and all of a sudden she hears the voice i think as a viewer um and i think that was maybe episode two we were sitting there saying hmm what is that there's somebody outside of here that that they're talking to and now we we know that we certainly um know who was trying to talk to her and and we also know that she didn't really want to hear from them i don't Mm -hmm. think um At first, you're sitting there saying, hmm, why isn't Wanda responding? Doesn't she want to know who's on the other side of that radio? But I think deep down, she probably knows who's on the other side of that radio. We also saw the beekeeper. We know who the beekeeper Mm -hmm. is now. Um, You know, he went in there and he went subterranean. I think they were using the phrase and they weren't sure if the, I, I don't know, what are you calling it? Are you calling it the bubble that they're in or... Yeah, last week I kept referring to it as a barrier. In this episode, Monica refers to it as an energy field. It, okay. To me, it, it's like a, it is. It's like a TV bubble. It's like um, you know, an old-fashioned box TV. Like it, it. I don't know what the technical term for that is. The screen, I guess. But it, that's what it seems like to me. Okay, so we saw the beekeeper kind of cross into that. So we know it goes below ground as well, where right. you kind of once you're in, it seems like you get sucked in. 
And then I also thought it was interesting because I was having this same thought when they were talking about Vision. And I think it was Darcy who was saying this. She was saying, like, he's dead, dead, not blipped, right? And that was one of the things that I was questioning for myself. Like, Vision died. He's actually gone. Now, it gets weird because Vision's obviously machine, I guess, however you want to phrase it. (laughs) But that was one of the things that she kind of answered for me just in my own head that I didn't have to go back and like, look up like, yes, he was dead, dead. He wasn't blipped. Um, because obviously with all the people coming back from the blip at the beginning of the episode, you start to think, wait, who else is coming back? Right. And now I'm also thinking nobody inside of the energy field seemed to come back. Right. They, they didn't come out of the blip that we know of. Maybe we'll see that in the next episode. I don't know, but that was something to think about as well. Uh, but the, all those questions were answered, but I feel like most questions haven't been answered. There, <laughs> there's still so much out there. I think you raised a new one just now that I didn't even think about. Is if a person who was a citizen of Westview had disappeared in the blip, what would have been the circumstances of them coming back or had all of them been blipped or had none of them been blipped? And that's kind of an interesting thing to explore. But as you're saying, we did get some answers. There are also many questions that remain unanswered, as well as new ones. What are some of the big question marks that you have at the moment? So this is probably the easiest part for me because I always have a hundred questions while I'm asking, (laughs) while I'm watching, and I never have anybody to ask them of. So some of these you might already have answers to, but the the first biggest one that I don't think we know yet is what does Vision know? What, Mm -hmm. what is Vision's role here? If Wanda is somehow manipulating time or, or manipulating energy, so to speak, um, Vision doesn't seem like he's really a part of it. He seems like he's more along for the ride. So what exactly does Vision know is is a big question that I have. Kind of in line with that, when they were talking to the neighbors, um, again, I think episode three maybe, and the neighbor was about to say, we are all, and he didn't say what they were. I still like would like to hear that. Was he going to say, we are all actors or we are all dead? I, I don't know what he's going to say, but that's definitely a question that I had. Is Sword the new shield? Is that am I correct in saying that? Sword is basically the space and other planets answer to Shield. But as we know in the MCU, Shield was also taken down. So it seems almost like Sword would be a replacement, so to speak, at least in the way that it functions within the MCU. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And it also makes sense why Monica Rambo, she was Sword. She's with Captain Marvel, kind of making those connections there too, right? Let's see, what else? Oh, the other questions, they seem to be able to change the channel almost when they're watching it. So when Jimmy and Darcy are watching from outside of the energy field, um, they seem to be able to skip ahead, or it seems like when Wanda wants to rewind and erase a part, she can do that. And she could also do that when we were watching the original three episodes, something would happen, Mm -hmm. and she would all of a sudden say, like, no. No, that's not happening. And she would rewind it. And so there's definitely a lot of questions to be answered there. Um, Kind of a simple question, because we know how quick they grew inside of her. How quick are these babies going to grow up? So they've had these two babies. Um, They grew nine months in what I think is three days, if (laughs) if we're saying each episode is a day. And so now the question becomes, are those two babies going to grow as quick outside of the womb? I don't know. I guess we'll find that out. Yeah, I'm curious Um, about that, too. And then one question that I think we're going to find out in the next episode is what's the consequence of going in and out of the energy field? Because Monica was thrown out at the very end of this one. And so 
does she come out with any special powers? Does she come out different? Is she just the same? And then also, can you go in and out on your own? We know you can choose to go in, which Monica does kind of choose to go in. And maybe we'll talk about that with her character in a little while. But can you also choose to come out? Could she walk out if she wanted to at any time? I don't know if we know the answer to that yet either. These are all interesting questions to come back to. And on this idea of questioning, I love what this episode did with questioning. And I love how they brought one of my favorite things about this show so far is how they bring it to this meta place. And I really love how you have Jimmy Woo's whiteboard on which he's, you know, scribbling all of this question, all of these questions. And it makes it he he's in that moment, he's like us, like the viewers, right? Questioning what's going on. And so he he lists what we don't know. And on there is why, he- why hexagonal shape, which may be a total red herring. Maybe the hexagonal shape's not important at all. But I know a lot of us watching have been like, why are there hexagons everywhere? Um, he asks why sitcoms, same time and space, is Vision alive? So it really kind of speaks to these are the questions that fans have been wondering about since the show started. There's also a couple of, of great lines when he, <laughs> when he's sitting with Darcy and he says, what are we looking at here? Is it an alternate reality, time travel, some cockamamie social experiment? And she says, it's a sitcom, a 1950s sitcom. And he says, but why? It just kind of feels like people, when they were first watching the show, right? Especially if you weren't an MCU mega fan and didn't really know what to expect with WandaVision and you just turned it on Disney+. Plus. I have to feel like that's probably some of people's experience. Like, what is this? Is it alternate reality? What's going on? And Darcy then- even responds too, right? I don't know who she's talking to at this point. One of the bosses, or he asks her something and she says... I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, or <laughs> yeah. don't know. And so same same type of deal, right? Nobody, totally. Nobody knows anything. They're, they're on the same playing field as we are, which feels kind of cool. I love it. Yeah. And I love when she says, why does it keep switching time periods? It can't be purely for my enjoyment, can it? Which is also funny. Like, it is also enjoyable, right? As viewers, at least I'm kind of really enjoying the the different decades and seeing how they pay homage to those earlier eras of TV. So Darcy and Jimmy both feel like two different type of viewer of the show. And I I really enjoyed how they played with that. I'm trying to go through my list here of other new questions that may have been raised. Um, When when Jimmy Woo first meets Monica Rambeau, uh, the two of them are trying to figure out why is it that they have an awareness of Westview, whereas those local law enforcement officers don't. So they were kind of wondering about that, if it had to do with radius or personal connection. So I think that's something that we're we're going to be mulling over. There's another part of Wu's whiteboard that it says part of behind this question mark. And then you see the last bit of the word scrolls. You see K-R-U-L-L-S. So I thought that was interesting too. More connections to the Captain Marvel world. I don't know how scrolls would be playing a part. I don't know, again, if that's just a total misdirect, but kind of interesting. We know who the beekeeper is, the quote unquote beekeeper, but we don't know what happened to him. Did you have any thoughts on that? No, and I was actually going to ask you that. Did we did we see him come out? Did he come out? Because that kind of goes into the theory of whether you can leave on your own or not. He goes back into the tunnel, right, when we see him. Yeah. And she says, she goes with her serious voice, which you also broke down kind of in the, in the last episode or two episodes ago, where she has her two voices, right? She's almost got the alternate personalities. The one where she's back in time and she's so happy and cheery and then... The other one where she's like, no, 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 like something serious is happening. It's threatening whatever her plan is, whatever she's doing there. Um, And then he goes back in to the tunnel underneath the sewer cover and 
you know, I, I'm trying to see, I think that answers a lot of questions. If he just goes back in and crawls out and comes out the other side, then we know you can go in and out as you please. Right. If he's just completely disappeared and stuck in the sewer, then I guess we know that you can't, but I don't think they answered that question for us, right? Yeah, I also watched the episode a few times, and I'm I'm going to say it's a safe bet if neither of us can remember seeing him come out the other side, yeah. that he probably didn't, unless, you know, he was wearing, you didn't really see his face very close, he was wearing all that gear, so I don't know, but I, I think they would have brought our attention to it if he, if he did come out, so. Right, uh, seems like a major development if you can go in and out. Exactly. So, something else I was wondering about in terms of this, like, raising new questions, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about how Endgame really feels like the culmination of Infinity Saga. And then when you get to Far From Home and you get to WandaVision, we're kind of into this new era. But I like the questions that this episode opened up for Far From Home because Far From Home is the other place where we saw these glimpses of what it was like for people to come back from the from the blip. And then we're getting more of that here. And it's interesting that this episode falls on the timeline in between Hulk snapping his fingers in Endgame and then through Far From Home. So I, I'm kind of curious how other events in this show moving forward might connect to Far From Home. And it makes me wonder if we're going to see other characters on blip <laughs> because we saw we saw that happen to some people in, in the background in Far From Home and we saw it happen with Monica here and all the characters in the hospital, but we didn't see it happen to Peter Parker himself or to some of the other major characters. So I, I almost wonder, Wanda, are we going to see what happened with Wanda at some point when she came back? So uh. They seem to do that from time to time, because they did it, if I'm thinking correctly, with the blip, they kind of went back and did Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it was kind of pre-blip. So they go backwards sometimes and show you the different perspectives of everything that's going on, it feels like, in, in kind of different parts of, of yeah. the world or in the universe in this case. So it seems like a recurring theme where they try and show you all those different perspectives. I did love the perspective of the hospital, though, right? All of a sudden, they were overloaded. Everybody's back, you know, visitors, because obviously Monica Rambo was a visitor visiting her mom. She comes back. She finds out her mom died. And so you just think about what can happen. And it's just applicable to, to what we're going through right now. Like, can you imagine you were blipped and you come back and it's only been a year and you're like, wait, what? There's a virus? Everybody, yeah. the, the economy shattered? You know, the amount of stuff that can happen in one year. Um is pretty amazing. So you think about that with the blip. I, I love that they started with that, though. That was a really cool way to start. Yeah, it really was. And, and like I said, too, it contributed so much to making it feel cinematic. Oh, a couple other... <laughs> it seems like my, my list of questions is really long this episode, but a couple of other things that came up. The scenes that we revisited in this episode from a new perspective, from the outsider perspective that we had already gotten glimpses of in episodes one through three, I wonder if they were chosen for any meaningful reason. Um, so, for example, the clip from our episode one, when Wanda says, who needs to abbreviate after she talks about their powers, and then the dinner with the hearts is emphasized again through them watching it at the at the SWORD headquarters. So I, that just kind of made me wonder, like, are they drawing our attention back to those particular scenes for any specific reason yeah um it felt like with a couple of them it was when outside figures were involved so they they took you back to the beekeeper scene right they took you back to the first scene where um monica is sitting there i, yeah. I forget what they're at they're at like the lunch or they were preparing for the fundraiser i think it was they took you back to that one which obviously there's the connection they knew that 
Monica was in there now. So I feel like that's why they showed us that one. But there's some other scenes that you're right. They're bringing you back to and you're like, hmm, why that scene? Why are you bringing that up? And Yeah. And it was weird, too, because the first clip in which they identify Monica is not what we see on their monitors is not a scene from a previous episode where she's just the Geraldine character is just sitting on the park, not really a park bench, sitting on like a street bench, I guess. And then Wanda and Agnes are talking in the background. And that is not a scene that was in any of the episodes before. So that was kind of interesting as well. Like, what is this other footage of what's happening in Westview? And we know that there are clips like in the the credits of episodes one through three, there are these other little clips of like Wanda going shopping for baby clothes and all of these type of things that don't necessarily fit into then what you see in the episode. So I'm just curious about that as well. And then of course the the retro version of the sword drone, um, <laughs> the, the toy helicopter from episode two, they even, you know, again, within the episode, they ask how did it change and why? And then I think it's Darcy says, oh, to go with production design um, or something like where Jimmy says that one of them. But uh, but yeah, so it's interesting, too. Right. Like, obviously, we see from both the physical object of the drone and the person, Monica, that when you go through, there is a change that happens. Right. That you are outfitted, so to speak, in such a way that makes you fit in with the surroundings Although yeah, not the 70s, 60s, 70s, right, right. Although clearly not totally seamlessly because we saw at the end of episode three that Agnes and Herb are raising questions about Monica, right? They're like, this Geraldine person doesn't have a home. Like, what's going on? So, yeah, they know she's an outsider. Wanda finds out she's an outsider. And then there's Vision kind of in the middle of those two conversations, not really knowing what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. It feels like he's just lost in there. Like he's the only one who doesn't know something. I, I don't know what it is that he doesn't know, but he might be the only one in that energy field that doesn't know it. It really seems that way. And, and I want to circle back to him a little bit later, too. So thinking about, you know, we've been talking each episode about different uh, themes, symbols, significant objects, things related to the format that are emerging. And, you know, I guess for this episode, one thing that I, I wanted to bring up again is just this relationship between the format and the meaning that we're gleaning from the decisions they're making with the format. So in the first two episodes... As viewers, we're totally immersed. We're wondering why many of the same questions that Darcy and Jimmy ask in this episode. And then last week for episode three, as um, my, my guest Al last week said that you're starting to see these cracks in this facade coming from the inside. You're starting to see vision question things more. And then also in that episode, we see more of the real world, right? We get that shift in the aspect ratio at the end and we see Monica being kicked out and what's on the other side of it. So then this week, we now move into outside looking in and we really get the feeling of the show within the show. And they could have started with this, to be honest, like the episode one could have started with this framing of the show within the show. But I I really like that they didn't. I like that they threw us into the immersion. And now it's kind of like you get the cracks and you get the shift in, in perspective. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think it works. And it, it definitely raises the question of where do they go from here? Next week, are we back and emerged? Are we going back and forth? Are we completely outside? Um, I have a feeling that from this point forward, you're probably going to be kind of going in and out interchangeably. It, it would it would 
probably make most sense for that to be the case. Um, but it is fascinating that you were completely emerged and then kind of less and less and less as they break that down. And now here we are and we're almost entirely outside the bubble. It's almost like a recap too, because it yeah. goes back through everything that happened. The way they did that, I liked it too. It was a nice rewind. And um, it took me a second to realize that. Like, wait, okay, they're back at the first episode here right? Um, with what's happening in the bubble or whatever we're calling it. I keep calling it the bubble. I, I like think that bubble. makes the most sense to me. Yeah, it, it looks like a bubble. When you kind of see the energy field there a little bit, it looks like a bubble to me. So I'll, I'll go with that for my own simple mind. But just that idea of... Um, going back and forth, I think is going to be great in the next couple episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. We know that they have episodes or at least scenes that are going to be at least somewhat in the style of 80s, 90s and 2000s sitcoms. So that's not going away. But I, I think that that's going to be the question is how much is going to be that versus how much is going to be the perspective of the SWORD headquarters looking in. And I would say that I, I'm thinking similarly to you that we're going to kind of jump in and out from this point on but i guess we'll see they've taken twists and turns already with the show so i guess we'll see but one of the other um i guess motifs that we talked a lot about last week came from vision's quote about all the world's a stage which was i loved i thought that that spoke really well to a lot that was going on in that episode and this one as well i mean it's playing completely into it that whole idea of all the men and women merely actors because the the characters at the sword headquarters for lack of a better term that's what i've been calling it their tents or whatever but um yeah <laughs> but they they use that language right they identify mr and mrs hart as played by um they identify one of the the people as norm as Jones, as Beverly, right? Cast as Beverly, they say. And it's just interesting that they're using that that language so clearly of these people are actors, although they're using the language as if it was like, so, so clearly they're being cast by someone, by who we're not sure. I think we're led to believe by Wanda at the end of this episode. But are they being consciously cast, <laughs> right? Like, that's the thing. We don't know. Do you know... So when they went through that, right, they're hanging the pictures up on the wall. Did you recognize any of those people from previous movies or anything like that? Because, I I mean, I didn't recognize any of them. Like, whereas if you were to put um, Monica Rambo up on that wall, you'd say, oh, I've seen her before. Um, it would take me a while to figure out where I had seen her before. But sure. I would know I had seen her before. The rest of them, while I've seen some of them in other things, I've never seen them in the Marvel cin- Cinematic Universe. So. I was one of my questions for you was, did you recognize any of those? And it sounds like you didn't. So they're, they're completely random people, but I thought it was interesting that they all had parts inside of the bubble and then they know all of their names outside of the bubble. And so I would assume since they're the FBI or whatever agency they are, they're going to try and now connect. How are all these people connected? Maybe that'll tell us why they're in there together. Seems like they all are from New Jersey. It seemed like all of the ones they had licensed, licensed, driver's licenses for were from New Jersey. But what was interesting too, I I paused on that screen and Agnes, they had a picture of Agnes, but they didn't have an alternate name for her or a driver's license. So I think that's notable. And then the other character who wasn't up there at all in terms of um, characters we saw in the first three episodes was Dottie. So I thought that was interesting as- Was Dottie the one who smashed the glass? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that she wasn't up there. I yeah. wonder 
Yeah, uh, with um, and who was the other one that you just mentioned? Um, Agnes, the neighbor. Agnes. Yeah, and she was kind of the first one to appear in the first episode with them, right? I wonder if she's involved in some way, shape, or form. If she's, I, I don't know. I have a theory that Wanda's not the one completely behind this, and there's somebody else behind it. Mm-hmm. Whoever that evil person is is kind of using Wanda. And I almost feel like Agnes might be there to watch Wanda for the evil person. Probably not the actual case, but that was kind of what I was thinking. No, as somebody who is, as as far as I know, unless this has changed recently for you, but as somebody who hasn't really followed the comics, I, and I haven't either, but I have heard other people who do say that Agnes seems to be a stand-in for a comics character who would fit what you're saying very well. So I think you're on to something that she might be... Or again, it could also just be a classic red herring, but it seems like she she might be involved somehow. It's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I feel like Wanda's being manipulated by somebody, and she's okay with it because in return, she's getting to be with Vision, and anything she has to do to be with Vision it seems like she would do. So it's almost seeming like maybe she made a deal with the devil because part of that deal was she's going to get to be with vision again. And and they even show the one part. Cause I was even questioning, does she know the vision's dead or that he dies in the future? They did show that one part where he had like the hole in his head and, and it's the kind of the fast forward, I guess, from where they are. And so I thought that was interesting as well. It almost seems like she's going through time hoping to get back to the present day so she could rewrite what happened. I don't know. Yeah, we'll there's see, definitely playing with time and playing with uh, different alternate realities. And it's I don't know how much you're aware of like where the MCU is moving next. But one of the upcoming movies is called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And it's going to kind of continue that idea of multiverse that um, Mysterio brings up in Far From Home, right? And this idea of the alternate timelines kind of creating these different versions of reality. So I think that's definitely going to play in somehow. And I, I think your theory that Wanda's not necessarily behind it, but that she's benefiting it from it somehow or thinks she's benefiting from it is an interesting one because she, like like you said, gets to be with him, gets to play out this kind of fantasy life and the kids and everything like that too. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah. That also could just be my bias where I was enjoying her character more. And so I didn't want her to end up being bad. And I think in the long run, she won't necessarily be the villain, but she she's made some choices that I think we're going to find out are, are selfish at yeah. a minimum. Yeah. I think, I think you're onto something there. Another bit of imagery that I've been thinking about the past couple episodes has to do with walls and barriers and things like that. And we kind of talked a little bit about the bubble. And the the other thing that came to mind for me is just like this idea in, in TV and movies of breaking the fourth wall, right? Of like having your characters um, have an awareness uh, that they are being viewed, right? And there's, at the end of last episode... Sorry, not at the end of last episode, but in the conversation in episode three, when Vision starts to say to Wanda, hey, yeah, something seems not right here. And then she resets it. There's a, a, a moment where it looks like he looks toward the camera. And then in this episode again, at the very end, when it's the end of the sitcom episode, <laughs> when he sits on the couch with her and the babies, he, there's such an unsettling look that he has on his face. And he's kind of, again, staring directly toward the camera. Um, and then in the credits not to the show within the show but the credits to the 
Disney Plus show itself, the credits to every episode so far, as they're kind of moving through the the imagery they have on the on the screen, like it's all pixels and stuff like that, it goes into Vision's eye. I don't know if you noticed that. And I did not. That's interesting. Yeah, and then in this one, it was his his dead, empty corpse eyes like you see in this episode so i thought that was notable too um and that brings me to some thoughts that i had about perspective and just the relationship between perspective and reality so again this episode uses the widescreen aspect ratio to really give it that cinematic feel that feeling that we're in the real world of the marvel cinematic universe and there's no commercial so episodes one through three had the commercials uh which were great they were so great especially when they bring in stark (laughs) with the first one you're like oh okay again i just like when there's stuff that's familiar to me yes exactly (laughs) um but yeah so they're they're playing with this this like perspective um you're, you're seeing the clips of the previous episodes of wandavision in the smaller tvs that they have um in the sword tents there is um yeah, there's that clip toward the end, and we'll talk about that scene a little bit more later, but that it zooms into one of the monitors, and then the ratio shifts, and the image quality shifts, so it looks like it's more of that you know full-screen TV aspect ratio for a minute, like we're watching it on the TV, but then it shifts back out to the widescreen, and it kind of gives us, like, um, it both retraces a little bit of the scene we saw last week, and then its extension to kind of give us this and the sense of oh this is how it really went down for monica and it loses that sit- that sitcom um sheen to it and then but then again at the end <laughs> it goes back to the 70s quality like the full screen for the credits of the wandavision episode with the two of them on the couch with the babies so i think it's just really interesting how they're playing with that stuff definitely i the last scene here where they're sitting on the couch with the babies, it was eerie. It was kind of creepy the way they were sitting there and family's supposed to live happily ever after. Meanwhile, you know, even though it happened a full episode before, you know that in the show, she literally just threw Monica Rambo through the walls and fixed the walls. And now she's sitting there. And I, I think right before that vision even says to her like, Oh, where did, um, that lady go, whatever he thinks her name is. And she's like, Oh, she just left or she had to go home. And and Mm -hmm. I think that's when he starts to be like, Hmm, she's not telling me something because I just learned that she doesn't have a home from the neighbors outside. And so it almost seems like you're right with his eyes. And and is he starting to put two and two together? Um, and at what point does he start to ask more and more questions? And, and I get the feeling that his character, when he finds out what she's doing, even though she's doing it for the right reasons to be with him, he's not going to be okay with that if anybody else is being hurt in the process. So I wonder how quickly he's going to start to put things together. But um, yeah, with the different camera angles, they do lose me at times with that. I'm like, "Hmm, where are we now? Um, And, you know, even when I watch an episode three or four times, um, you know, it's still sometimes I have to like, think like, okay, are we inside of the actual sitcom? Right. Are we back in the other world? Where are we with that? But you're right, the angles and the perspectives do help with that. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think it's I think it's also intentionally disorienting. And I think that that fits with, again, this, this marriage of the format and the meaning that they're trying to convey. And it's getting increasingly complex, the layers of our understanding or lack of understanding yeah, going back to the the scene 
with the two of them on the couch at the end, which is just so unsettling. That that image, you know, the image of of Vision's grayed, dead corpse with the Mind Stone blown out of his head um, is really creepy and really it's 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 scary but the the moment at the end of the the credits the show within a show credits is almost creepier to me because it's just that uncanny feeling of the juxtaposition between the perfect family on the couch with the babies and just that look on his face yeah it's so good um and and going back to this motif of actors and acting and what we're observing and the role of, of TV itself right before that, you know, she's just blasted Monica out of, out of the bubble completely. And now she's trying to get back to normal. And what's her, what's her thing? She says to vision is what should we watch tonight? Like this idea of TV, like really representing this like escape and this normalcy for her is just really interesting. Yeah. It does seem like that's their sense of normalcy, right? Sitting on the couch, the family time, what should we watch? And so now it's a show within a show within a show that they're watching. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And to your, your points about vision as well, I think very early on, one of my questions was, is this vision really vision acting of his own accord? Or are we seeing an idealized projected version of vision coming from Wanda's brain right is this wanda's vision of vision right um but i think for all the reasons that you just said and the the way we've seen him interact with other characters and the way we are seeing him um question i think suggests that he really does have um some free will here which is interesting which i think she would like him not to have Yes, which is why she's kind of resetting those moments, right? He starts to say, hey, something's not right. And she resets it back to before he said that. And then that's also one other thing uh, kind of on this idea of of questions and perspective is, is it her who's doing this or is it someone else who's doing it? Or either way, why is the broadcast that they're getting in the tent edited like why is the broadcast being changed and one of them says oh it's being censored so they're not even seeing everything that we saw like we saw Dottie break that glass and bleed but they didn't get to see that they didn't get to see what we saw of the confrontation between Monica and Wanda last episode either because it just cuts yeah I I also like um particularly the part where she says this is our home that we can't leave Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and also the, just going back to using the word censored, I love that they use the word censored, right? They're, because as soon as you say that, it's it's just the implication. They're manipulating the information. And why are they manipulating? I don't think we know exactly why they're showing what they want to show yet. Because like you said, with Dottie breaking the glass, why wouldn't they show that? Or why would they rewind that? Um, but I, I love the part where um, she says, this is our home. Where we can't go where he says, I think we can go wherever we want. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, we can't. <laughs> um, she doesn't say it that way. Um, but you can start to tell right there, the vision's not buying it. He's yeah. like, wait, what do you mean we can't? Yep. Like, this has to be our home. And so the questions that he's going to ask, I think, in the next episode or the next two or three episodes are going to be the questions that we all want answered. He's going to start to ask those of Wanda. Um, and at some point, I think we know she'll have to come clean. But I wonder if her goal is to just make it through the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and then she's good. I, I don't know. That That's kind of an interesting thought. I'm also looking forward particularly to the to the 80s and 90s episodes because just like I'm not really into old time TV, 
I certainly watched plenty of 90s TV. Um, <laughs> you know, so we'll see what they have to do with that. It'll yeah. Interesting. I'm excited for that, too. Well, thinking about our perspective as viewers, our POV shifts in episode four, as we've already discussed. And when this episode opens, we are not with Wanda. We're not in Westview. We are with Monica Rambeau, a character who, as we said, was first introduced to the MCU in Captain Marvel. And since that movie is set in the 90s, when we meet her there, she is a little kid. We also met her mom, Maria Rambeau, in that movie. And in in the previous episodes of WandaVision, she was not introduced to us as Monica Rambeau. Those of us who were following like the casting announcements and things like that knew that she was going to be. But um, if you were just a casual viewer, you would just think that she was Geraldine. And uh, so this is a big episode for her. Uh, We learn a lot of new information about her. And it's also an important information. It's an important episode for learning some crucial aspects about the MCU specifically between that Hulk snapping his fingers in Endgame and where we are in the current timeline um, through her. Like that experience that we talked about already of the blip that they show people coming back from the blip so powerfully in that cold open. So on the topic of Monica, what were some standout moments for you related to her character? Yeah, she definitely develops here outside of the bubble there. And, And inside of the bubble, she really didn't develop much, right? Because you could tell she was trying to hide something. So you weren't learning much about her. She was trying not to say too much, but now, you know, we know that her mom died. Um, We know that she just, even though her mom died two years ago, she just found out that her mom died. And now all of a sudden she goes in um, to sword and she finds out that she's, I think they use the word grounded, right? She can't go on any extraterrestrial missions. She's just within earth. I guess that means, Um, but she very quickly, ends up getting an assignment that is kind of going into some place that's different than earth. So I thought that was fascinating, but I think her mindset at that point, right. She just found out that her mom died and now she's about to walk towards this bubble. And that's when she asked Jimmy, like, why haven't you went in? And he says, it doesn't want me to go in. And then she just walks over, puts her hand on it. And I, I, I rewatched this a couple of times because she does kind of get sucked in. But she didn't fight it at all. She yeah. was ready to get sucked in. So it just lets you know in her mind, um, you know, that she's ready to take some chances. Um, and then once she's in there, we don't really know how much time went by between her getting sucked in and all of a sudden her being in this deep cover, as they described it. Did she have to do anything or does it just automatically happen? Um, but I think you start to see um, her ca- character develop because she experienced that sense of loss. She now needs something to kind of maybe get her mind off that or to replace that her mom had passed away. And so she's back on on a mission and she goes right into the bubble and and fits right in. And then uh, I guess the best part will be finding out what she has to say now that she got thrown out of the bubble. Clearly, she's going to play a major role moving forward Um, because except for the beekeeper who might be outside, but I don't think he is. She's the only one that's been in there. She's the only one with that insight. So I think in the next episode, you're going to see Monica interacting a lot with Jimmy Woo and Darcy. And and so that trio, um, I think, will play nicely off of each other. Yeah, I agree. And I like the insight that you shared there as well about, you know, her recent loss and the sense of maybe she doesn't have too much to lose. Because thinking about that scene where she is touching the energy field, I mean, he Jimmy Woo is clearly warning her like, hey, 
back off, be careful, whatever. And she's not listening. And it's, it's obviously, she's not stupid. Like we've clearly established that she's very high ranking in SWORD and she knows what she's doing. So that I think, I appreciate your reading that it sounds like it was, um, it was something that she was willing to, to let happen. Yeah. Whereas Jimmy, um, doesn't seem as much of a, a risk taker. You know, they're, they're kind of building him into that character. He's good outside the bubble. Right. You know, when the one guy, um, the higher ranking FBI guy says something to him, like, say, you know, somebody must really miss you in Washington. And he's like, well, it's not softball season. So, you know, <laughs> they don't miss me too much. You know, it just kind of builds his character as, I don't know if soft's the right word, but he, he's not a risk taker, I don't think. Whereas Rambo and Darcy, I think certainly are risk takers. I think Rambo maybe because of the loss that she's feeling and Darcy, just because that's who Darcy is. Like she's ready to find things out. Yeah. I think this is a good transition because of course this episode marks the return of two characters who from, from what I know of the fandom, they are pretty beloved in terms of side characters. We have FBI agent Jimmy Woo, who we saw in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and we have Darcy Lewis, who is now Dr. Darcy Lewis, who had worked alongside Jane Foster and Dr. Eric Selvig in the first two Thor films. So I saw a comment on Twitter that I wanted to share, and it's from a user called at L-U-N-W-I-88. Not sure how to pronounce that, just in case this person is listening, wanted to shout them out. But this was their tweet. It says, I love how the kid from Captain Marvel, the FBI agent from Ant-Man and the Wasp, and the love interest's sidekick from Thor are trying to figure out why the secondary villain from Age of Ultron can't get over the death of the lab assistant from the Iron Man trilogy. That (laughs) Not only did that really make me laugh, but it also speaks to just how intricately connected the MCU is. And acknowledging my own bias as a super fan, I think that the world building here is just so brilliantly done. Because there really is no such thing as a throwaway line or a movie that doesn't matter or a character who doesn't matter because it really is all connected. And even when we were talking over the summer, I think I said like, ah, The Incredible Hulk is skippable since it's not on Disney+. And and I think I would still say that perhaps that's the most skippable so far, but they have plans for the MCU's continuation that you know, there's going to be more connections to that movie as well. And we've already seen a few connections to that movie with the character Secretary Ross. Another movie in the MCU that's not a fan favorite is Thor The Dark World. And yet, you know, here we have Darcy back. So it's just really, really cool to me that they can go back to, you know, we haven't seen this character since 2013. And yet here she is, she's back and people are loving her, right? People are loving her character. So I'm just curious from your perspective, and I know you spoke to this a little bit already, but especially as someone who recently watched these films in a relatively short span of time, what did you think about seeing Darcy back and Jimmy Woo back in WandaVision and any just any of the moments, any moments with those two characters that that stood out to you? Yeah. So, well, first, that Twitter user and I'm not on Twitter, (laughs) I don't really do the social media thing. But um, articulated that really nicely, right? <laughs> That's kind of what I think a lot of us are thinking, especially a lot of us more beginners to the MCU. Like, wow, how is this all connected? How does it all come together? How do they keep track of it all when they're writing it? Oh my god, um, is pretty amazing. Um, but with um, Kat Dennings being back into it as Darcy Lewis, when you um, talk about you haven't seen her in what seven, eight years. For me, it didn't feel like that because I haven't seen her in like three months since <laughs> I watched the entire 
series over the summer. So I didn't even realize that it had been that long since she appeared in one of the movies. Um, but she comes in and I think her character has not changed, right? She was always sarcastic. She was always funny. She was always saying what we were all thinking. I think at times when, when they were in the Thor movies, she was kind of the voice of reason almost in the Thor movies. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I love that she's back. I find her absolutely hilarious. I mean, her, her comment about the coffee, yeah. <laughs> um, when she's like, oh, you guys probably get down with those little pod things, right? <laughs> you know, terrible for the environment. But um, I love that. I love the way she interacts with authority. So you have these, these, these men there who think that they're in control of the situation. And she starts to ask them the questions that they don't want when she's like, um, what are you getting off of that drone? Mm -hmm. And the... Um, the guy, I don't even know the guy's name. I guess he's an FBI agent. I was like, well, that's classified. He's like, oh, so you're getting nothing, huh? And it's just, um, you know, she just holds her own in every single scene. She, she's awesome. So I really liked that she was in it. I enjoyed her in, in the Thor movies, but I do think that um, it, it's time for her to have a bigger part. And then Randall Park coming in, Jimmy Woo, he's hilarious. He's funny in everything that he does. <laughs> yes. He's the perfect character for this. And I do think once Rambo is interacting with the two of them, I, I think those three personalities are really going to be awesome. I, I think he's um, he's great interacting with Darcy. Jimmy and Darcy were mm -hmm. good because they're kind of opposites. Um, just like Rambo would kind of take the chance and go into the bubble. I think Darcy at some point is just going to run into the bubble just because she needs to know. Whereas Jimmy would be sitting there saying, no, 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 don't go. Um, right. So I, I'm thrilled that those characters are in it. Bringing in some secondary characters, but also characters who you recognize because they're from the MCU, but you also recognize them because they've played big parts in other shows. Right. And so they are bigger names. They are, you know, recognizable to the average fan like if you never saw any of the mcu you probably know who randall park is or you at least recognize him and same with kat dennings you, you definitely recognize her from everything else that they've done so I, I love the choices that they made one of the things that i was wondering is who were the other secondary characters that were they were thinking about bringing in like what were the choices you know yeah. you have jimmy woo you have darcy you have 20 movies maybe 10 or 11 different movies when you think about you know Thor sequels and, and Spider-Man sure. sequels but who were the other secondary characters that they might have brought in here and, and that they settled on these two I'm definitely happy about yeah that's a fun thought exercise to think about them like it's like a recipe right of like which personalities you're going to throw in with who and figuring out how it's going to work and then also not for lack of a better term reusing or revisiting characters in one way if you have plans for them down the line so we know that they are planning mcu projects for the next couple of years and so there may be some other characters that they're like now nah, they're not going to work here because we're going to put them in this in this so it's it's cool to see and i agree i think that we have darcy and jimmy playing off each other really well one of my favorite little moments is just you know she's she's like so invested you know eating the chips whatever she's invested in the story and then she's like well wanda's with another character and he's just like real person you know like <laughs> and they have their funny bit about you know asking asking um he misinterprets and thinks that she's asking him if he wants kids someday and then it's you know they're both just very charming they're charming actors like you said that people know and um i love that he mastered the the magic trick anything else that you wanted to say about either of those two characters um i'm looking forward to both of them being in it though i, I oh one other thing and i don't 
think this will end up being the case because usually when I think this could be the case, it seems like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it doesn't end up being true. But (laughs) Randall or Jimmy Woo and Darcy, I wonder if they almost could be a love interest for each other. I don't know if either of them are married or not, but they do seem to start to have a little bit of that flirtatious atmosphere between the two of them. To your point there, sometimes the MCU, well, one of the things I like about the MCU is that they don't force romantic storylines where they don't fit. Like something like Wanda and Vision is a romantic storyline that obviously is very important. Pepper Potts and Tony Stark play off each other so nicely. It's a relationship that makes sense. But I, I appreciate that they don't always go for the love story angle just to have one. And when they do, it usually works out very nicely. So yeah, I mean, maybe what we're seeing here could be an, an early version of a flirtation, like a coworker thing that develops. We don't know, but it'll be interesting to, to find out. It could it could not be at all um, because sometimes they just don't go in that direction. Now, this episode does not focus on Wanda and Vision as much as the previous ones did, but we do see them in this episode again from a different perspective. I was curious if you had any thoughts on anything that develops for Wanda or Vision. And we may have talked a little bit about it already, but... Yeah, I think just kind of reaffirming my thought that Wanda's up to something. I think we all know that. And and that Vision's not a full part of it. And and I just do think that she's doing it for reasons that she can justify in her, her own mind. I think she probably feels like, you know what? She's a little disillusioned, right? She lost her brother at one point. Um, the blip had happened. Vision dies. And so she's sitting there thinking, like, what do I have to lose here? Um, Everybody who I'm close to ends up dying. And so I think what we're going to find is it's at that moment when maybe she's in a state of depression that somebody took advantage of her and somebody got to her and knew that she was vulnerable, took advantage of the fact that she was vulnerable. and, And it starts to kind of go with this idea that, you know, like, you know, love makes us do crazy things. I think that's where she's at here. I think we're going to look back on it and say most of what she was doing was her love for vision and her want to have a family with vision. And it's going to end terribly for her. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or at least I think that it'll just be interesting how soon it ends terribly for her. Like at, at what point does she realize that she's just a piece in a larger game? Vision, he doesn't develop much in this episode. He no, kind of just stays the same. Just the, the really eerie look that we've already talked about at the end. And um, and of course, seeing him as his, keep just calling it the corpse version of Vision, Grey Vision. Yeah, something that you just said reminded me of last week, Tony, one of my guests last week, Tony, had mentioned Wanda kind of going into this like mama bear protective mode. So like now it's not only is it about vision, but she also has these kids. So I think that we're going to also see her maybe make decisions that, as you said, might be a little selfish, might be aggressive, but out of the sense of needing to protect what's hers. I also wonder if, so vision, did vision just serve a purpose for her? Like, so she loves vision. Maybe she knows that long-term she can't be with vision. Um, And if they get back to the, to the present, you know, as this goes kind of 10 years at a time, the vision will die. And so does she just feel like vision needed to play his part to give her those two kids? And then in the end, does she not actually care that much about vision or does she already know his fate? And so she's okay with it, but she needed to use him to have these two kids. And and now the two kids will be what, you know, she remembers him by. I don't, I don't know. I know. I wonder you guys mentioned something in the comic about the two kids, right? That one, 
is named Speed or something like that. Yeah, right? one one's um, superhero name is Speed, and the others is Wiccan, and that they they play important roles in the comics. It's another theory that that I've heard and, and talked with some people about is it could be this idea that Wanda really wanted these children, or it could be the idea that somebody else, maybe a more nefarious force, really wanted these children, so that they might be going after the children in some way, and maybe she's going to need to step in and be protective. Ah, uh, so she could, that's where she could realize that she's just kind of a pawn here, where I she's wonder. just used to have the kids, and somebody's going to come take those kids from her, and that's when she's going to realize that she made a grave mistake. Yeah, it would certainly connect to an episode two, that very creepy refrain of for the children, for the children. So <laughs> so we'll see. But so I know, as you, you said, uh, Kevin, you're not as much tapped into the social media world where there's a lot of theories and predictions going around. But I am curious, you know, your perspective as an invested viewer, but not necessarily somebody who's got their own whiteboard. <laughs> um, what, what do you think is going to happen next? You, you, and you already spoke to this a little bit, but you have any other thoughts about where we might be going for the remaining episodes of WandaVision? Well, one thing I've been trying to think of, because I've watched all the movies in the last 10 or 11 months, 10 months, really, um, I'm trying to think back to the different movies and like what bad guy or what villain is kind of lingering out there. I lose track sometimes of, who ends up completely dying, who ends up getting defeated, but they're still lingering out there and could come back and sure. do some bad. And so I, I think my biggest question, I think I have the theory that somebody's controlling Wanda or she might not even be know that, know that she's being controlled, but she's being manipulated. And so I guess my big question is like, who is that bad force manipulating her? I don't think it's going to be somebody brand new. It's going to be somebody from one of the previous movies and so just wh which movie is it going to be from, which world is it going to be from, so to speak, and who is that person going to be is kind of what I'm trying to think of. I, I feel like if I went back and watched all the movies, I could make a list of like, could be them, could be them. But somebody is, is behind this, and I think it's a familiar face. I just don't know who that familiar face is going to be. Yeah, and I think Vision's, Vision's in the dark, I think. Really, really interesting. Uh, I like your theory there. And I like this idea of going through and thinking about which villains we still have uh, lingering out there, like you said. And I have heard, again, you know, people who are more familiar with the comics have named some comic, some villains who are in the comics who would be new to the MCU. Okay. Could be a way that, and, but again, that could also be a red herring. The, the people who do the MCU Shows and movies are aware of the fact that they have a lot of fans who are hardcore comics people and they love to subvert expectations related to the comics. So that's they definitely don't stick to the comics closely, um, except when they do. And then that surprises people, too. <laughs> but right. um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, it could be that they're going to introduce somebody new alongside someone that we're already familiar with. Or mm. I like your theory that it. it, it very well could be somebody we're already familiar with who might be might be unexpected or might we might look back on it and say hey we should have seen that coming so right I, I almost feel like it could be somebody maybe too who wasn't a villain in previous movies um but they were somehow hurt or wronged by sure. the blip and so maybe they lost everybody in the blip and they were the only ones surviving i don't i don't know those are just some of the thoughts that i had you know like yeah. is there somebody who maybe wasn't bad who the blip has made them experience such loss that, that now they're going to turn bad. Totally. And we, we've seen that precedent 
in the MCU as well. The people who have felt wronged one way or another, particularly by the Avengers who, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so it's very possible that it could be going that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think just real quick, well, first I'd love to hear your predictions too, (laughs) but maybe you'll share those at a different time. Do you think that WandaVision will end up kind of going straight into the next Marvel movie? Is that the way you think it'll go? It seems like it is setting up storylines that we're going to see in the movie Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So that's not the next movie coming out. So the the next thing that's actually coming out is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Disney Plus show. And I I don't anticipate WandaVision directly tying into that. I I could see there being some connections with Loki because there's going to be a Loki show. And it seems like that is also going to deal with this idea of like moving through time. Okay. An alternate timeline. So I could see maybe some connections there. It's, I believe it's completely confirmed that Elizabeth Olsen will be co-starring in the Doctor Strange movie. Okay. So, so it's, there, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the next Spider-Man movie is going to also have connections to that Doctor Strange movie and this idea of like alternate multiverse is what they're referring to it as. So right. could see and some Rambo connections with Captain there. Marvel, right? There's right. connections there. That's right. Okay. So she's going to be in Captain Marvel 2. Yeah, there's probably some other connections that we've yet to even <laughs> uncover because they do that. Sure. But um, but I'm looking forward to it. And in terms of my predictions, my theories about what's happening next, I, I feel like I'm so steeped now in conversations with other people that I'm like soaking up all of these. And it's like one more than the next. I'm like, yeah, I think that's going to be it. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, wait, but it could also be this thing. Um, But I can say pretty confidently, I, despite or perhaps because of Monica coming out of the bubble in this episode and saying, it's all Wanda, it's all Wanda. I don't think it's all Wanda. I'm with you that I think that there's another force at play here. And we've seen that a lot in these movies, that there might be a primary villain, but then there might also be people who are not your traditional, like, mustache-twirling villain who are get wrapped up in things for certain reasons and, and do villainous actions, and perhaps that's what's going on with her. Um, sure. Like you said, so the extent, I think she is also being manipulated somehow. I think we'll see the extent to which she's being manipulated. And, uh, yeah, and in terms of... A, What's going to come next? I I do think, like we were talking about before, I think our next episode, we're going to see some 80s, and I think we're going to see some outside the 80s as well. I do think we're going to get back to theme songs and commercials. Okay. That's cool. that, that's a prediction I have. Maybe it's just a hope I have, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would like that too, because that was cool, the way yeah. they were doing the commercials, and <laughs> that definitely fit nicely. I also wonder if, you know, just real quick, if the villain that is out there, have we already met them? Did we already meet them outside of the bubble? Is it somebody who's in that FBI tent or or part of um, S.W.O.R.D. somehow? You know, because I think that's oftentimes the way that the movies go, right? Where, like, you meet the villain in the first five minutes. You have no idea it's the villain at that point. But then later on, they become the villain. So, I don't know. We'll see. That's going to be cool. Before we wrap up, any last thoughts? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I appreciate you having me on again. And, you know, I definitely look forward to even if we're not talking on the podcast about this, just you um, you fielding my questions when I have them because uh, you're always good about doing that. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hearing more of your insights and seeing which of your predictions and theories may come true. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, so thanks a lot again, Kevin. Thanks, Tara. If you enjoyed this conversation about episode four of WandaVision, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at bpenderillustrations on Instagram. 
music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in each Thursday to hear me and my guest of the week tackle the big ideas of the latest episode of WandaVision. <laughs>